Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of The Lab. Uh, sitting with you, as always, here, we have uh, Alex Schroeder, uh, Brandon Wierig, and I'm Lou Follenkamp. Uh, and actually, today's topic comes from Mrs. Trotter. Uh, so so thank you, Steph, for uh, today's wonderful topic that we're going to discuss and actually turn into a full series um, because I actually love it. I actually think it's going to be great. It's it's going to be um, an extensive, uh, I don't know, I don't know how many parts we could break this up into, but we'll hit you that in a later time. Uh, so Trotter, I'll let you take it away so you can kind of give everyone an idea of what we will be discussing today. So it's essentially just a, an anatomy breakdown with an application. So we have the doc here as far as like the anatomy portion of it, giving us everything that the muscle does. Um, so this one will be like a breakdown of like the knee joint down. So the calves, essentially. And then uh, Brandon and I will use it as like um, application and how we apply it and how they can be used like in your sport. Um, yeah, I think this would have been very beneficial when I was in PTA school or people going through like uh, exercise science or, you know, PT, stuff like that. Um, so it's gets pretty lengthy when you're just reading it constantly. So it's always better to hear somebody else's talk about it. Then you can kind of use your spin off of it, too. So do you primarily just want to talk about like the muscles acting on the ankle and then we can break the knee down in a separate episode? We can do that one. All right. Game on. Um, so I guess to start off with the bone structure of, I guess, the lower, the lower portion of the leg, um, you're going to have the tibia and fibula, um, for like that lower, you know, mid region. Um, and then going down into the foot, you're going to have, I mean, we could, we could break this down into every single bone. I'm just, the foot would be terrible. (laughs) We're not going to break down the foot that much. We'll just use that as one whole. Um, but you can break down the lower, the lower shank of the leg, um, into an anterior compartment, a lateral compartment, and a posterior compartment. Uh, let's let's start off in in the posterior, shall we? Uh, so, before we begin here, any questions on? Kind well, of how posterior is your backside. Yeah, those don't know. Anterior is your front. Lateral is anything to the outside of your body. Bingo, bingo. You can be my layman. I will try. So, uh brandon have i lost you yet are you good we're still here we're still here all right we're kicking we're cooking with gas uh so to start the the i guess the most noticeable of the backside the posterior backside um muscles of the lower leg uh, is you're going to have the gastrocnemius all right so there are two heads to the gastrocnemius, and the, besides just acting on the ankle, the, the gastroc actually also works on the knee. Not a, not a great influence on the knee, but it does have an attachment there, so just something of noting. Um, going a little deeper to that, right, and these all kind of blend together into that Achilles tendon, uh, you have what's called the soleus, right? Now, this is actually kind of good to talk about because most people will just train the calves as one. Uh, without really thinking about knee position. Um, But the gastroc acts on the knee and the ankle, whereas the soleus will only act on the ankle, right? It actually helps to control tibial advancement anteriorly um, in like, let's say a squat, but can also help to raise your heel off of the floor with the foot planted. Um, It's a wonderful muscle for runners. It's also, you know, usually an implication or if you're having heel pain, 
you want to look at how strong your soleus is. It's a wonderful little muscle. It actually looks like a fish, hence its its name. Um, but both of those two blend into that Achilles tendon. And well, I can't even, what's the word for it? Um, it's probably one of the most undertrained muscles that I know of with most runners. Yeah. Uh, Why you're looking at my calves is beyond me. Why you said that? Was a, that's bullshit. It was a side eye, okay? <laughs> I didn't mean anything by it. Um, now, how in depth do we want to go here? Because I mean, I could go. I mean, we could cover those because those are going to be like the majority of them. Um, as far as like a public, you know, they're going to want to know just those two first. Like, so for like application purposes, mm-hmm. you're going to target one more than the other, depending on the placement of your knee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is correct. That is correct. Um, Explain it to me like I'm five. <laughs> you mean you're not five? Yeah. So if but you're, you're, if you're target, let's see, if you're going to target the uh, gastroff, then you're going to want to bend. Nope. Right. So you're going to want to do like standing calf raises. Yep. That's going to get the the pop. Like whenever somebody flexes their calves, um, that's what you're going to see the most. That's where it looks like a upside down heart almost. Mm-hmm. And then when you want to train the soleus, the deeper muscle behind that gastroph, that's when you're going to have your knee bent. So like a lot of people, when they do um, like calf raises, they'll only do like seated calf raises. So you're only training that deep portion of it. You're not training the part that actually like pops out. So just like any other muscle, you have to hit it at different angles, different intensities. So keep that in mind too. So if you're going to do seated, you better do standing. Variation in heel raises, folks. Yeah. Important. Important and not just on two feet, but on one foot. Mm-hmm. That in itself can be a wonderful application for your jumpers, your sprinters. Yeah. Um, Lord help me, your volleyball players, you know, basketball. Pretty work, much any sport. Every, every sport has an explosive component. Yeah. Well, so you get down to your you get down to your sprint mechanics too. I mean, you're gonna run and you have strong calves. Yeah. Bingo. Yeah. Anywhere from twelve to fifteen percent power output comes from the, the calves and the uh low the ankle. Yeah, it's you being so smart in the ways of science. Hey, I'm throwing facts out. Well, I think one of the big <laughs> ones that people under underutilize too, and I did as well, is Brandon does those like uh, the banded. What do they call it? You call them like a banded jump, essentially. Where oh, I call it the pogo hop styles. Yes. Yeah. So just anything to help increase my uh, stiffness and things like that, increase the rate force development. Along lines, because we do, I'll do all kinds of jumps. I'll do like band assisted, band resisted, body weight, um, loaded with dumbbells, whatever it may be. So I always kind of like mix it up. Yeah. Very nice. So then moving down a little deeper into the, the backside of your calf area, um, you're going to have three really big influencers actually down into your foot. Um, so you have the flexor digitorum longus of the foot, right? You have the flexor hallucis longus, and hallucis meaning the muscle that just goes down into the big toe. Um, and then you also have the tibialis posterior, which is actually great for arch control um, or like bringing the foot inward. Um, so these three, even though they're high up into the calf, have a great influence on how your foot is going to work. Um, so if you don't have, like you hear people who say, you know, I've got really flat feet, mm-hmm. um, that doesn't mean you, you can't strengthen the muscles in your feet. And I'm not going to go into every single muscle in the foot because there's just a ton. 
um, I'll just kind of label those as foot intrinsics, meaning the the deep inner working muscles of the foot. Um, strong feet can really help with force application. Weak feet, well, you're going to kind of fold into whatever pressure applied. Uh, whether if it's your arch dropping, you start compensating going to the outside of your foot. Um, let's say you go to put your your foot down on a landing and you can't really absorb it much. So you just see those knees kind of collapse. Sometimes that's from an upward mechanic down or from the foot impact up. Uh, I mean, that's why we do our assessments as well. Um, but having those muscles in mind, you want to be sure to strengthen both your toes uh, and your big toe in particular, because I mean, it has its own set of muscles. So, I mean, if you're not training your big toe, I mean, that that's really your, your big hammer when it comes to sprinting. Uh, anything you two want to add on those wonderful muscles? Hmm. Now, I remember this is a side topic, kind of. I remember a rumor when we were kids that you would have trouble with your balance if you lost your big toe. Correct. Correct. But that doesn't apply to the other four. Uh, pinky toe. If you lost your pinky toe. So that the way. outside boys. Yeah. If you lost your pinky toe, or your big toe, you'd have a pretty, pretty big reduction in your balance and control. Doesn't mean you wouldn't be like able to do certain things, but I mean, you would still have difficulty with like single leg uh, applications. Yeah. Um, that's actually why I like with like amputees and like diabetics, sometimes looking at when they do lose appendages like that balance can kind of go out the door for some of them, especially because already deconditioned. Sure. Um, not a fun one, uh, but that kind of covers a lot of the backside muscles. So, you know, foot intrinsic strengthening, deep, deep calf strengthening, uh, and then just having that stability then for force production and really acceptance um, of force as well. Um, Anything before we move to the lateral compartment or the side compartment? I'm good. I'm good. All right. So going to the lateral compartment, you're going to have two muscles in, well, technically two or three, depending on how you look at it. Um, so the fibularis longus and then the fibularis brevis, um, or the, depending on who you read, the peroneus brevis, peroneus longus. Um, but then there's also the um, fibularis tertius or the peroneus tertius, again, depending on who you read. Uh, these are your, if you've sprained your ankle, you've probably aggravated these. Um, they actually will go down, the longest will actually go down around the outside of your foot from like the outside of your fibula. It goes down into the arch of your foot right behind um, the the fifth met, uh, the fifth metatarsal, sorry. Uh, and then the brevis will actually go down and attach to the outside of your foot. And that's actually what helps to keep you from rolling your ankle. Um, these are almost seldomly trained. Um, as not many people really know how to, or it just looks goofy training them. Uh, but these are wonderful muscles to train for ankle stability, um, especially your sprinters again. Um, I absolutely love these, especially after an ankle inversion sprain. Um, to kind of start getting that stability back in the ankle. I mean, depending on the injury, um, but I love these muscles. These are, these are wonderful. I mean, you know who you are. You probably have had that sprain and the outside of your foot or ankle is hurt. Um, and then all of a sudden it's like bringing your foot out to the side is a chore, <laughs> not a fun one. So how do you train those from the PT side of things? Uh, so there's a lot of different balance activities that I will do where I'll have someone, I mean, at the base level, sometimes it's just range of motion, uh, the application of band resistance can also be a wonderful thing or laying on your side and just trying to bring your foot out to the side. Mm -hmm. um, 
can also be like, you know, gravity resisted movements, um, band resisted in that same regard, adding that you can put out an ankle weight on the end of the foot and bring it out to the side. Um, but one of my favorite things to do is actually more along the lines of like balance activities where you put someone's foot on like maybe a foam pad or just put it on the ground. And then I put a band around the ankle, pulling it into that inversion position, mm-hmm. um, because then it makes the outside of your ankle have to work significantly more just to maintain neutral or maintain a stable base. Um, so that's, that's usually how I go about it. Um, but then I'll also incorporate like as they get better and they get stronger, I'll also incorporate like head movements, what they're doing with their eyes, just to kind of get them back into thinking and not have to think about the, um, or like watching the ankle. Right. So those are always a lot of fun. Um, anything you guys have had in the past, uh, maybe either experience wise, or maybe like what we've done with certain athletes as they've kind of come back from inversion sprains. Um, well, I mean that banded one that you talked about, I've seen that one being applied. Um, but usually like we don't necessarily program for that. Um, yeah, we, every, every Wednesday before we do top end speed, I'll go like through a ankle series where we do tippy toe walks, yeah. board backwards, heel walks, heel toe, side your feet, and then kind of go into some pogo hops, just kind of get that area activated. So when we do go into like max velocity sprinting, um, the shins, the calves, the ankles, and everything's kind of fired up and ready for that to, to be ready yeah. to go. That's that's what I was going to say. Was it's it's programmed into the speed portion of it, but weight room side of things, I don't necessarily do it. Yeah, and then if, if I'm seeing like an energy leak or like someone has like a hard like his can't dorsiflex, we might we'll throw in like tibs and stuff like that in the weight room right. extra, or we'll do logo hops and yeah. things like kind of like a, whatever it may be. Yeah, kind of like an as needed. Yeah, yeah, especially like track athletes or anybody else. If you want to get good balance, man, you got to have – it's kind of give and take. So if you look at like our client, Xavier, for instance, like he's uh, really good. He's a 45, 400-meter runner kind of getting – like he's got stiff ankles and he's got stiff hamstrings. But if you get that mobility too much, it could maybe take away that stiffness and his power output. So you got to kind of find that give and take of what's too stiff, what's not too stiff, so you can still have that good – Recoil and bounce. So, yeah. What is that? Yeah, I was going to say that sweet spot. Yeah. That sweet spot. Um, Which I will give him a shout out the other day. He did jump like, what was it? 35 8, 35 9? 35 8. That was after eight rounds of dynamic deadlifts and weighted jumps, too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's pretty solid. He was floating. Um, So, one thing that I would also say, like, just given how, like, the calf and the lateral compartments, like the posterior compartment and the lateral compartment have to work together. Um, is when you see someone doing a heel raise and you see them going up and the heel kind of starts to look like it's going out to the side. So like a lot of the pressure is going over to like towards their pinky toe. Mm-hmm. So like one thing that you have to you think about is just kind of how muscles work together. So when you kind of shift that back into like the ball of your foot, that pressure on the toe, uh, back to the ball of the foot, you'll actually feel more tension in the lateral gastroc or that lateral calf with the peroneals because you're reestablishing more of like a center line. Uh, as opposed to just moving with the natural orientation of the joint and the ankle. Um, so like that just comes with stability and strength. So, like when you see that person who's trying to sprint and their ankles just kind of going out to the side, I will put them through a battery of different like tests and assessments and see like when they're trying to push off, are they going more off like the pinky toe and they're trying to do like jumps, landings, uh, sprints, cutting. And then when we try to make those little corrections or after we've done so much strength and we test it again, um where is their their pressure off of the foot coming from um 
And usually one of the big indicators is when they go into a heel raise and the ankles just dip out to the side, they go lateral and it's just not good. Yeah. Um, that could be a predisposition to maybe a future ankle sprain. Uh, so we, we addressed that earlier on, had a few different athletes who I've screened and I watched that and it's like, oh, okay, we need to work on, you know, that gastroc on the outside. We need to work on your peroneals, uh, get that to kind of all play together so that when you go to push off your foot, it's a forceful lever as opposed to like an energy leak out to the side. Mm -hmm path of least resistance is not always efficient. Uh, so kind of moving into the next section, uh, going into the anterior compartment or the front aspect of your shin uh, in the lower leg, uh, you're going to have your extensor digitorum longus of the foot. Uh, you'll have your anterior tibialis, and then you're also going to have your extensor hallucis longus, right? Uh, so going through those three, each one is going to act on a different aspect of the foot. So the extensor digitorum longus, obviously you hear digit, you're going to think, okay, the toes. So yeah, you'd be correct. It does help with pulling your toes up, right? That can also help to pull your foot up from the ground. Um, the anterior tibialis actually goes down into the arch of the foot, uh, and it will help to pull the foot up primarily. Uh, and can also help with arch stability, which most people don't think about. It would come from the top of the foot, but arch stability can also come from the anterior tibialis. Um, and then last but not least, the extensor hallucis longus um, acts on the big toe. So like I said before, the um, the big toe has its own set of muscles. It's very unique. It's very special. Um, so being able to move your big toe individually from the others, if I see that you can't do that, I see that you really don't have an idea of how to coordinate that. So how on earth is that going to apply to my jumping and my sprinting? Well, you could be leaving some form of coordination off the table, which could also lead to maybe more force production. Um, so I like to make sure that when I'm working with an athlete, I check to see, can you move your big toe? Do you know how to use it? Can you coordinate your toes? Um, or are you struggling like I'll get out just to learn how to do that? Uh, but then you also see people compensate uh, with pulling their toes up when they try to just pull their foot up. And so they don't really know how to train the anterior tib. So trying to keep the toes quiet, as I'll say, or calm toes and try to just pick your foot up, uh, you're going to see this really thick tendon pop up right along the top of your arch and your foot. That is your anterior tip. Whereas if you just pull your toes up and try to like lift, you're going to see almost looks like a like four lines going down to your toes and you're going to see a smaller tendon kind of uh, to the side of that thick one. Um, you should be able to pick it up with the toes and your foot, but then you should also just be able to pick up your foot without the toes. Um, being able to kind of dissociate between those is, is it's important. Um, anything you guys would add to that? No. Senor Weirich. Uh, yeah, um, like we talk about like the individual toe drills and things like that. It's like you can easily like maneuver, move any finger you want to. You know, you have to think about it, but it's the same principle. Anytime you start trying to move your toes, like kids will get frustrated with it because it's like you should be able to have full control of like your body at all times. And they realize that, okay, that's not the case. But the only thing that strikes the ground every time you play a sport is your feet. So you got to have that solid base pyramid and. That's usually why, you know, you see kids with rolled ankles or just uh, stress fractures because they just have no strength or control of their toes, their feet, or especially when you see like a lot of distant runners and runners like that, they got these huge three and a half inch sole hookahs <laughs> on. And it's like, well, your feet have no, they have no sense of sensory, like none of that stuff right there is uh, working. So then when they try to go to their running spikes or whatever, then they wonder why they have all these 
you know, stress fractures and things like that. Yep. Yeah, that does make a difference. I don't. I can't tell like if it's a trend or not because they they have been getting more and more popular. I've been seeing like more and more people in those shoes too. Which shoes are they? Like the Hoyas or the Hookas or uh, Hookas? I think yeah, the Hookas. Yeah, I mean, in in the the impact portion of running, being able to have something that can kind of absorb that force and puts less force through your joints, especially for patients with like knee pain. Yeah. Hocus can be wonderful, but I mean, there is a, a deteriorating benefit with any added extra cushioning because you're going to have a, I mean, think of it this way. It's hard to balance on a foam pad, right? Yeah. So like you're putting even more instability underneath your foot. So, I mean, depending on how you're wearing the shoe, are you wearing it too loose? Is it too tight? I mean, how much cushion you have underneath? There, there's got to be like a middle ground again. I mean, and then this is going to depend upon what you're doing with it. Are you trying to be a sprinter? Are you trying to do long distance? Are you on concrete? Are you on a trail? Um, I mean, there's so many different variables that we could talk about. But, you know, learning how to use your foot. I mean, I, I love going out to the turf fields and I will, I don't do this a whole lot, but like I'll go to the turf fields and I'll just work on just light running yep. just to kind of teach Air my foot. feet. Yeah. I mean, running in grass, even assuming you don't have any like potholes or yep <laughs> glass out in the grass well, i mean brandon, brandon does that too he incorporates that because of our turf mm-hmm. you know it's a it's at least once a week that the kids have their shoes off mm-hmm. so he's doing all the drills during all that especially in the the ankle stabilizers that he mentioned uh previously so yeah it's uh oh what's the what's the term for it not injury prevention, but essentially injury prevention. Yeah, risk reduction. Yeah, yeah. I would say. Yeah, it's all I just. I love kids that want to lift barefoot too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If they if they want to, like we don't we don't oppose it. I mean, you know, granted, it's one of those where it's like, don't drop a weight on your foot. You know. <laughs> so. So, like, if there's certain things that you take away from this anatomy review. Um, I mean, granted, it's a it's a brief glance and we'll probably accompany posts with these episodes. Um, but the big thing to take away from here is is you don't know what to train if you don't know what you're actually like, you know, having to address. Um, and the lower leg is actually, I feel like, underemphasized in strength and conditioning and being able to utilize a good program for, let's just say, foot and knee health. Um, your calf is a big force absorber of, you know, uh, sprints and jumps. And when people are trying to basically take that ankle out of the equation, you see runners who are doing more with like a heel strike, as opposed to like a forefoot or midfoot strike. Um, you're, you're basically allowing the joint to do way more work and you're not necessarily allowing that muscular tissue to do that force absorption for you. Um, so being able to train, I mean, it's like anything you, you, when you go to run a mile, that's how many steps. Uh, per leg so like if you don't have a very like a very large work capacity either through the anterior tip the soleus um, your ability to absorb force and produce force is going to be severely reduced and so then that's usually when people will begin to compensate and that compensation is what leads to strain and strain leads to injury over time Um, so just being able to take those into account i mean i implore people to you got to look at how many reps and sets you're also going to be doing for those muscles um, because a lot of those deeper muscles we discussed today, some of them are more stability or more of the slow twitch fiber muscles. So they're going to need a lot of repetition and a lot of work just to build up that work capacity. Um, 
So, I mean, I mean, I'll give him, I'll give him credit on this. Um, the knees over toes guy actually has a wonderful, uh, I think it's called knee ability zero where he does a lot of training with the toes, a lot of training with like the anterior compartment. And then also the soleus in particular. Um, I mean, he does a few other things for, for knee health as well, but I mean, it's almost more of like you're addressing all of the weaknesses and the inefficiencies in the lower limb, particularly the ankle, which then in itself leads to pain reduction at the knee. Um, and then there's also the barefoot sprinter. Guy. I can't remember his actual uh, title, but um, I'll just call him the barefoot sprinter guy for now. Um, we call him Richard. I don't know. His sure. name. But uh, <laughs> he, uh, he actually has a lot of wonderful things about how to, um, progress from certain basic exercises into more of like a barefoot running type deal um so i mean i I implore you guys to go look at that it's wonderful material um is it perfect no but i mean it's a great way to progress things if you haven't had that opportunity um if you're a track sprinter look into these muscles if you are a if your sport requires like quick cutting sprints changes of direction um again look into these because if you got a weak foot weak ankle you're gonna be slow you will be slow. Yep. Let's see here. Well, we got the tibialis anterior left. We talked about that. Yeah. Okay. Tib anterior, picking yeah. the foot up. Yeah. Picking that up versus picking up with the toes. Yep. Yeah, it's all. Yeah. All the lower legs. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a lot more, but there's way more in the big foot. Yes. But, I mean, this is just going to be a brief general overview. Um, cause I mean, we could talk about like, you know, flexor digitorum brevis, the quadratus plantae, um, in relation to like arch stability and plantar fasciitis, but like, we won't go into that rabbit hole because we could talk, I could honestly talk about the foot for hours. Um, which just for the purpose of this episode, we'll make these general. Um, but what we'll cover probably in the next episode is going more along the lines of the knee and the hip. Um, because the knee is, is influenced greatly by the ankle and the foot. Um, but also is influenced greatly by the hip. Um, so we will talk more on that next time. We will see you guys in the next episode.